Wow, isn't it great to be here, right? Is, I mean, come on, isn't it great to be here? I mean, check this out. You get to be with some of the coolest people of all time right now. And you get to hear one of the coolest people of all... No, I'm just kidding, all right? I'll just... I'll stop right there. I'll stop right there. But you know what? I, I, um, I enjoyed last week, and we got into the book of Philippians, and, you know, I kind of told you, and subconsciously, I thought in my mind, I wonder if anyone actually took me serious. But I said, you know, literally, you could read the book of Philippians in about 12 to 15 minutes. It's four chapters. Anybody read it? Don't put your hand up. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't disappoint me before I get into it, right? But, but seriously, take, take, take some time because this book is very inspiring. It's very inspirational. Um, this book is a book of joy, okay? We talked about that. We talked about some differences between happiness and joy, right? Everybody wants to be happy, right? We all want happiness in our lives, but we understood this about happiness. Happiness is circumstantial. You're only going to be happy if things around you are happy, Right? You're only going to be happy if things around you allow you to uh, share in that emotion. Remember, I, I love emotion. I think my emotion's fantastic. But there's some things that I've learned about in life, about emotion, and that is emotion can be great, but emotion can also get you in trouble. Yeah. Some of you are like, I've been there. In fact, yesterday, you know, <laughs> emotion can get you in trouble. And one of the things that I try to do in my own life and it's one of the core, some of the core values that we're bringing forth here in our church is, one, we must learn. If you have an interest in something, okay, you are going to do whatever you need to do to learn about it, right? You're going to get a, you're going to educate yourself. You're going to gain a knowledge about it. Now, typically what happens when you gain a knowledge about something that you have become interested in, a lot of times that knowledge and that learning of it will roll over into what I call passion, Either and, 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 and that's where you're making the decision whether or not you want to allow your emotional side to get involved or not. It's kind of like dating. All right. I can't. I, it's not in my notes. I don't even know where this is going right now. OK. But think about this. It's kind of like dating. Right. Before you found your spouse, you saw them. OK. For the guys, you saw them with your physical eye and that sparked an interest. Right. They say women don't they don't thank God for some of you guys that women don't look at the first sight. All right. The guys are like right now. OK. But what happens in that moment? What, what do you do? What, what, what happens? You've got to have an interest before you're willing to learn about something. All right. So a lot of times what will happen and it's the whole dating game is you'll you'll get an interest on somebody. You'll begin to research them right now. You go into social media. You start becoming one of them social media stalkers. Who have they been with before? You know, uh, what are they like? What are they, you know, all these different things. Some of you are sitting back like, you know, you look like I'm crazy right now. All right. You know what I'm talking about. And so you're going to educate yourself to learn about them. If you like what you learn, then you develop a passion or an emotion that sets an attraction toward them even stronger, doesn't it? And when that happens, you are looking at pursuing excellence with that individual. I like to say the same thing comes with God in us and with Jesus in us. But my thing is this. We don't have to decide whether or not we want to be with him. It is our human nature to have a driving force 
towards something of good and something that is full of joy and something that is full of compassion and love. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the thing that brings pure joy into all of our lives. Happiness is completely circumstantial. It's all about everything that's happening around you, whether or not you're going to allow excitement and happiness to be in your life. But joy is defined as this in the sense of regardless of what is taking place in my life, I can understand this in this scripture in Philippians 4 and 4. Rejoice in the Lord. What? Always. Always means in any dire need you may have, you still rejoice. Amen. All right. Some of you need to go back here and get some more coffee. Rejoice. Rejoice means even when things are going great, I still will remember this. My circumstances around me could change and it could go to the pits in an instant. But I know one thing that will never change. And that is the joy that Jesus gives me in my life. That is the love that Jesus demonstrated to me on that cross. Hold on, hold on, no, 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 no. And it gets better. And that is regardless. That is regardless of how slum I become. That is regardless of how corrupt I become. That is regardless of how the, the, the nature about me physically might change in the sense of my language and all, the, all this stuff could happen around me. But God's love doesn't fail. And it doesn't change. And so I can understand in that scripture says, what? Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and what, what, is, what does Paul say to the Philippians? He says, and again, I will say rejoice. Some of you are in an again moment in your life where you've been able to rejoice and you, re, and, and you get it. You've got that part of your life. You've been through that season before, but then something changed. Something has happened. Maybe you're going through a desert and, and spiritually in, in, in your life, you know, re, speaking rhetorically there. Uh, you're, you're going through a dry time in your life and you're not feeling God in the moment. I'm going to tell you something this morning. We're going to get into a point. It's not that you're not feel or God's not feeling you. It's you're not feeling God. In other words, God is always stretching out toward us and wanting us to interact with him. It's our decision as to whether or not we're going to fulfill that and go after him. Um, the scripture rejoice the Lord always, uh, I, I will say again, rejoice. In other words, we can only find joy in Jesus. Remember, we talked uh, again last week that happiness is based on circumstance. It's determined about everything that's going on around us. But we looked at that joy is based off of Christ. And, and what I have found out in, in my spiritual journey as a Christ follower and as a Christian, I'm not talking about being a pastor. I'm, let's leave that for a moment because I'm just like you. I'm human being. But what I have found is that we have to fight for that joy sometimes. We literally have to get down into the trenches in prayer and get down into the word of God and get deep into it even when we don't feel like it so that that joy can begin to rise up and God can remind us of what he has done for us in our lives and giving Jesus Christ to us. There are so many things, relationships, um, what have you, that is trying to gain attention and bring distraction. Some of you have already sat in here this morning and you've been distracted. Think about that. Some of you right now are being distracted. You know what I mean? I'm being distracted by this piece of bread sitting right there. It's killing me. See how easily that happens? I'm human, right? 
But we can become so distracted. We have so many things pulling us in, in different ways. I really believe that we are living in a time where Satan, where the enemy, where the devil himself, and, and I'm not afraid to say, a lot of times churches get away from even going there. Satan's real, the devil is real, the enemy is out there to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to use absolutely everything he can to bring a distraction into your life. You know, you look at the news, you look at social media, you look at the shootings, you look at the gun control debate, you look at the presidential tweets now, right? You see all of this stuff. And it's trying to bring distraction within your life, pulling away what your focus should be, and the focus should be on Christ. Christ within your family. Christ within your personal life. Christ within your friendships. Christ when you're in the job. I, you know what? We need Jesus. I can't stress that enough. We must have Jesus in our life in every single aspect, not just on a Sunday morning or a life group or a Wednesday night, we must have Jesus Christ and everything. That is the only way you will ever find true joy. Amen. Happiness has, has become so far, so hard for us to find because it's strictly circumstantial. I look around and I don't see a lot of things that really need to make me happy. I look at the state of our society and the world that we live in and I go, what is, where is there happiness in all of that? I'll tell you a couple of things that does make me happy, though, in my environment, in my circumstances. My family. I absolutely love my family. You can't, I mean, they're insane. Maybe I'm the one that's insane. But you want to talk about happiness, they can make me happy. You know, the other day I was sitting there and I was having a little bit of a rough day. And uh, I come home from lunch. And, and every day and I go home and I eat lunch and then I come back here. But uh, the morning wasn't going as, as great as I had hoped. And, you know, I was, I, was, I was somewhat frustrated. You know what I mean? Just like, oh, you know, how can that be? I'm in church all the time, right? Trust me, it can happen, all right? And I was frustrated. And I got home and this little boy gets up off the couch with his nabby looking at YouTube, runs over to me, gives me the biggest hug. Daddy, I love you. Guess what? Happiness. Happiness entered in, right? Happiness is circumstantial, you know? It's all about everything that's going on around us. If our joy is based upon our surrounding circumstance, then watch this. We're in a world of trouble. Um, we're going to look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 2, and it says, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, you got to understand, Paul, got a, he has a great heart right here. He, he's a great pastor. Remember, he's speaking, he's writing a letter. What I want you to understand here, he's writing a letter to a church that he planted, all right, in Philippi. He's in prison while he's writing this letter. And this letter is four chapters of nothing but joy. And that's exciting. But how in the world... Paul, understanding this, his surrounding circumstance is not very happy. But the one who resides within him is full of what? Joy. And so he's writing to his church. He's very concerned. He's wanting to help them to mature. And he's saying, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if, our, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. 
We can see in this scripture, Paul loves his church, but he's giving some warnings. And we're going to call these warnings this morning joy killers. All right. It goes on in verses three through four. It says, do nothing out of what? Selfish ambition or vain conceit. But watch this. I love this. In humility, value what? Others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only on your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Paul is giving us a warning and he's being a great pastor here. And he's, he's a couple of these joy killers that we're going to look at. The first one is this living to impress. We are living to oppress. The society we live in right now, the world we live in is all about me, what? Myself and I. We are looking to promote ourselves. We, look, we, we, we go on, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. Why do we do this? Because we have zero confidence and we have low self-esteem and we have zero self-worth. That is sad as the body of Christ that we have come to this state where we must live to impress ourselves so that we can feel good about us. Let me, let me tell you something. You were created by the one who created all things. You were created by the one who put every single thing upon this earth and he did so with a purpose and with a passion and with a love, you have a lot of worth. You are more valuable than you could ever imagine in the eyes of God. And it should not matter what man thinks of you. The only thing you should ever be concerned with is what God sees in you and sees out of you. You are so valuable, but we put so much on what others are thinking that we do this. We live for the applause. We must have the approval of everyone else. Now, I'm not doing very well, so everyone looks towards me to make me feel better. We're looking for what? The self-pity. We're looking for people to build us up. We're, we're, we're wanting this and we're living it out. Because we, we're looking at our circumstances around us and the circumstances around us are defining us. I don't want my circumstances around me to define me. Because not all the circumstances around me am I proud of. Not all the circumstances around me that I participate in may be godly. I don't want that. I don't want what everything around me defines me to be. I want God who is in me to be who defines me. Now, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, tell us this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's a great life principle right there. Your attitude. How's your attitude been this morning? Think about that. How was your attitude yesterday? Right? How was your attitude last week? What's your attitude been? Has it been a great reflection of Jesus Christ? Maybe sometimes, but probably more times than none. You know, it wasn't. 
And there's probably some things that you could say, you know, I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have acted that way. I wish I didn't put myself in that environment. But it goes on to say, your attitude should be the same as, Jesus, as, as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking what? The very nature of a servant. So that's the attitude of Christ. How awesome is that? Taking the very nature of a servant. Here you have God becoming flesh. And he's not placing himself on a high pedestal, so to speak, but he's becoming what is considered as the lowliest of individuals in servanthood. Now, if God or Jesus can do this and make himself a servant, but yet we relate that as being probably on the lower end of the the pole, so to speak, we've got this thing wrong. If Jesus is is, is going to be a servant, and he, and he is showing us through scriptures that our attitude must reflect him and be the same as he, then should we not also take on that same heart of a servant? I think so. Let's, let's, let's continue on it. It says, being made human in likeness and being, in a, in, excuse me, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself. Think about it. It says, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, what every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God, the Father. So he humbled himself away to show us the best way to live. There is nothing more than our natural life and he molded it for us, all right? We live in the natural. The natural says this, we're gonna mess up, we're gonna sin. That's the natural. The natural part of us is the corrupt part of us, so to speak. And Jesus is clearly reflecting the natural part, saying, look, take your natural side and let's become a servant. How can we serve? How can we serve him? Well, watch this, how can we serve one another? You know, happiness is about my circumstances around me. But you know what brings me pure joy is when I see us serving one another and serving in our community. Because why? That's demonstrating Jesus Christ. And that's showing the love of Jesus. Now, there's a couple keys to joy. And and one of them is this, developing a servant's heart. Jesus did not make his life about him. He had every right to, though, didn't he? He died on a cross for you and I. He, uh, Mark 14 says, he, nothing about my will, but what? About God, your will be done. Hebrews 12 and 2 goes on to say, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Watch this. It wasn't nails that kept Jesus on the cross. It was joy. It was the joy that he had on his eyes when he was there and he didn't see his circumstances around him because the circumstances around him would not have given him pure joy. It would not have caused happiness in that moment. You know what brought the joy on? Was he wasn't looking with his natural eye, but rather he was looking with his spiritual eye and he saw every one of our faces. 
while he was on that cross, he saw you personally and reminded himself of why he was doing what he'd done. That should stir up an emotion with inside of you that says, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, from saving me from hell, which is a reality, and breathing the breath of life into my spirit so that my existence, remember, I'm only here as a vapor for a very short time. But my existence, after committing to Christ, allows me to spend an eternity in heaven. So it brings us to a couple of things. How, how do we have uh, joy? How do we have this in our lives? This is very big for me, and this is number one. It says, go all in with God. Hold nothing back. Seek God as our source. I'm going to read the scripture in Philippians chapter 2. Verses 12 through 13, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Watch this. Go all in. You hear that. If, if you've ever played a sport, you know you've, your coaches have always told you, go all in. Hold nothing back. There's a charge that is being delivered to you and I in the sense of we must work this thing out. That means we must sell out, dedicate ourselves out. Go all in when it comes to God. Go all in when it comes to Jesus Christ. Don't just play the game of being a Christian. Let's live the life of being a Christian. You want to experience that fullness of joy and leave the happiness alone. Go after God. You know, I was talking to an individual this week. And they said, you know, it's, it's been hard lately. It's been hard to, I remember in my, in my years back and how sold out I was for God and, and how more on fire I was for Jesus. And, and I was going after him more and more. And, and I didn't care who was around me, but things somewhere along the line have changed. And listen, I'm not pointing out an individual. I'm pointing out as, as, us as a church. As the body of Christ in full, because this is our testimony. There was a time and a season where we were completely going all in. But somewhere along the way, things brought distraction. And has pulled our attention in different areas. And then we look at and we go, the only way I can be happy is if everything else around me is happy. We have lost the scope and the importance of understanding that if we could go all in with Jesus then all the circumstances around us does not matter. I'm still going to have fullness of joy. I want us to go all in as a church. I want you to go all in spiritually in your life. I don't want you to hold back any longer. I, you know, I don't want there to be any more excuses as to why we can't for God. The why we can't is getting old. Some of you are feeling that in your personal life where you once were so connected to God, you're finding yourself being separated slowly more and more and more. We must go all in. Secondly, take on a genuine interest to others. You want joy? Let's find an interest in others. This is where we put into action what God is doing in our hearts. It's what the world desperately needs. It needs people. It needs the body of Christ. Philippians chapter 2, 19 through 21. 
I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon. Timothy was his like young protege here. That I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who takes a genuine interest in your welfare. For everyone looks out for his own interest. That's a joy killer right there. Looking out for your own interest. Not those of Jesus Christ. Paul is calling something genuine here in Timothy that we should all strive for. And that is a genuine interest of others. Paul is giving the challenge to the Philippian church in this moment to care for people through their actions that they claim by their words. I want to repeat that. This means this, that we will care for people with our actions like we say we do with our words. Now, there's a, I talked to you last week about, and I briefly brought this into my, my message. I said, what, uh, what matters to us? What really matters? And I, I told you what matters to me. It's my family and it's my faith. It's my family and my faith. I need to take a genuine interest in my family. I have to. It can't be just out of words, but I must have an interest in them. You know, I, I love my family. There's nothing like them. My wife is the most beautiful. Yeah, yeah. she's not in here for that mess. You know what I mean? She's the most beautiful. She's the most trustworthy, right? She's all these fabulous things. She is. But you know, I didn't learn that right away. That takes some time sometimes. You got to get to know somebody. You know, it's like uh, you're, you're dating them and, and then you commit yourself to, to getting married and then you have that beautiful fantasy wedding and then a hurricane comes to try to destroy it. Some of you understand that was, that was our wedding, right? But then now you're living with this person. And so your quirks get on their nerves. Are you following me? You know, you know. Yeah, right? And their quirks, what? Get on your nerves. And all of a sudden you're like, I need some time. I, I, I got it. You, go, you walk away and then, and then you got kids with you now. And you realize there's no such thing as your own personal space anymore. You know what I mean? Your space is their space. And their space is still their space. It's kind of like this. When you marry someone, guys, this is how I've learned it. Their stuff is their stuff. Your stuff is their stuff. Right? Watch this. I'm going to give you an example. She's not in here. She's going to kill me for this one, right? Her mom's here. I got to be careful. For 10 years, we shared the same hairbrush. Some of you are like, that's disgusting, right? But I would complain for 10 years about this hairbrush. Here's why. She uses hairspray and she combs it through. She, whatever she does, I don't know what she does, right? She just, I, all I know is, is every time I go to use that brush, there was globs of hair. You know what I'm talking about? She's got lots of hair, all right? And, and so, you know, sometimes I would take the time and I would pull the hair out, complaining. And I'd go to her, can you not just get your hair out of the hairbrush? And she would, well, if you would just go get your own hairbrush, you know. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. It gets better. It gets better. So, so and then there was the times where I would forget, I would be in a hurry and I would just use her hairbrush. And next thing I know, 
throughout the day, I would be like, hold on. What is this? And I would, and you know, I would always go, man, I need to go get my own hairbrush. I am going to go get my own hairbrush. And we would go to Walmart. We would go Sam's. We'd go wherever. And I would always forget. A month ago, I was by myself at Walmart. That's glorious, being by yourself without the kids at Walmart. You'll understand it. All right? It's glorious. It's a God moment. It's heavenly. And I'm at Walmart. And it hit me because I was pulling a piece of hair out of my head that was a mile long and it hit me. I'm going to go get my own hairbrush. So I go over to the aisle and there's a gazillion of them. I'm like, I don't know. That one looks like the one we had and that's a different color of the one. So I grab it. I grab it. And so I, now I got my own hairbrush. It's on my side. We have two sinks. It's on my side, my side. This is not her side because watch this. There's been times where I've cheated and gone to her side to like brush my teeth and she's standing there like, you got your own side? You get out of your own side. So I make sure my stuff was on my side, all right? And the other day, Friday, mark it down, Friday, I went in there and I, I, was, I was getting myself ready. I got my hairbrush and I looked and I went, hmm. Somebody's used my hairbrush. And I was not happy. And I'm picking hair out. That's, mind you, this long. You know what I mean? Yeah, good, Lord, yeah. And so what did I do? She's at work. I said, nope, this, nope, this can't wait. It's on my mind right now. She didn't, there wasn't, it wasn't even a hello. It was, you used my hairbrush this morning. She says, no, I did not. I said, yes, you did. She says, no, I didn't. I said, I'm pulling hair out of it right now. You use my hairbrush. And she's laughing. <laughs> and I could hear her coworkers in the background laughing. Huh? You know? Yeah. Okay. So this morning, this morning, I was like, you leave, you got your own hairbrush. And, and, and so this morning I, uh, I brought it up again about the hairbrush. And she's like, I didn't use it Friday. I used it like two weeks ago. Thank you. I was like, so you knew you used my hairbrush. Again, what's theirs is theirs. And what's yours is theirs. But family is so important to us. You know, they give us a great laugh. They, my family is fantastic for you guys because you get lots of humor from it. You know, we go through the pain. All right. But hey, mark that down, man. Get your own hairbrush. All right. Put a lock and key on it, Heath. All right. But, you know, we, 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 we got to have a genuine interest in people. That's very important as the body of Christ. Have you ever met somebody that you know they, they were just fake towards you? That's not cool. Nobody likes that. You know, if, if you come to me and you're fake with your likeness toward me or wanting to communicate to me, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to mark you off and go on to somebody else that has a genuine interest in my life. Luckily, none of you are like that because I develop great relationships with all of you. But... It also tends us to, to this. We need to have a genuine interest not only within our family, but our places like, uh, you know, our schools, our places of work. You know, people need this genuine and of interest. God has placed you in relationships or watch this, just simply acquaintances for a reason. Where you're at is for a reason. God, God's designed all of this in your life. He's working all of these things out. 
what? To develop and to fulfill his plan for you. Remember this, when God designed you, it wasn't, oh, you were created and now he has to create a purpose. He had a purpose for you long before you were ever created. So God has a genuine interest in you. And so therefore, if God has a genuine interest in me, and I say that Jesus resides in me, who is what? Also fully God, then I must have a genuine interest in people. That's one of the reasons why we uh, developed the, the cafe here in the church and one of the reasons why we have life groups and one of the reasons why we're doing First Wednesdays. We want people to develop interests in one another so where they can connect and we can truly be the embodiment of Jesus Christ. We can demonstrate his love and who he truly is. But thirdly, we need to live a life of intentional relationships. Um, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 says, but I think it is necessary to send you back. I've been practicing this word all week. Ephroditus. All right. Ephroditus, my brother, fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. So God's given us this. He's given us brothers. We need people in our lives who can run this race of life with us. You can't do this thing on your own. You need relationships. It's one of the reasons why we have life groups. Connecting with people. Getting involved with people of like faith. So that we can stay strong. Because listen, there's times where, look, I have a, a select few of, of, of uh, uh, guys from, from college that when I'm going through a rough time, guess what? Psh, they get a phone call. Accountability. I need that in my life. You need that in your life. Watch this. Jesus needed that in his life. He had specifically 12 of them surrounding him at all times. Why? Because he needed them to speak into him as well as he needed to, what, speak into them. So it's so important that we develop those relationships. Secondly, um, it says fellow workers. We need fellow workers in our lives. We, we have started what we call dream teams here at the church where we have different ministries that are, are, are taking off and branching out and starting to do things. We have a, you know, a, a creative team and we have Kid City team, His Way team, worship team. We have our facilities team who, by the way, is doing a bang up job right now, right? And, and getting things up and running for us. And we've got so much here and, and, and that we're trying to, to, to get going. And there's so many more teams coming in the future you know, we have our puddle jumpers. You got to love the puddle jumpers group, right? Them two, three, four. Those are blessed and special people. I'm not talking about the little ones. I'm talking about the workers. All right. But then we, we need soldiers. We need kingdom relationships. That's what this church is all about. Being connected to a church is a great reminder that it's not, look, it's not just about us. It's that we need to live a servant's heart. We must reach our community. If we are not reaching our community, we are not fulfilling the purpose of what God brought forth the church. The great command that was given to us was what? Take the gospel throughout all the earth. We can get comfortable sometimes and just allow it to happen right here for us. But we must branch out of these walls and make a difference within our community. That's why I love our first Wednesdays and I love at Christmas time and and Thanksgiving, where we, we give out the, the baskets and the, the presents to the kids, and we do all of those things. And then 
This past Valentine's Day, many of you didn't know, but we sent out uh, several hot meals to families to sh- what, expressing love. I'm not doing that to boast upon what we've done. I'm doing that to show you we're fulfilling the purpose that God has called us to do. We must, we must become uncomfortable so others can become comfortable. Think about that. We must reach. We must stretch ourselves. We must go that extra mile in order to share the love of Jesus Christ. I love this. Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to close right here on this one. But Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 15. And this is one of the final promises. He says, do everything without complaining and arguing. (laughs) Look at your spouse. The word says we must do all of this without complaining and arguing. All right. That, that's, that's a hard one. But do everything out without complaining or arguing, arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. That's our great goal. Becoming blameless and pure. What? Children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation. That's what we live in right now. We live in a depraved and a crooked society. World. I want to get back. What was that one point? Go all in. I think we need to take on that challenge as a church and you individually. Let's go all in with God. Let's not allow ourselves to be corrupt and depraved. Let's not allow ourselves to be easily distracted by all the events, national attention, world attention, and all of these things that are going on around us. Let us keep our focus on what our focus is supposed to be on, and that's Jesus Christ. Let's continue to push and persevere and go after it like we've never done before. Let us subconsciously make that decision within us that says, you know what, today, Lord, today, God, I'm, I'm selling out. Today, God, I'm going all in. But it says, in which you shine like stars in the universe. When, what, 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 when we become blameless and we become pure, and, and what is it? We're, we're not complaining and we're not arguing. The world will look at us differently and we will be like shining like stars in the universe. You recall 1 Thessalonians 4 and 7, there's a call there for the church. My will for your life is to be holy. Holy means different. Holy means set apart. I want you to stand with me this morning. In order for us to accomplish any of this, we must do this. We humble ourselves and then God exalts. Let me say that again. We humble ourselves and then God exalts. 1 Peter 5, 6, my last scripture. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may may lift you up in due time. My prayer this morning is that, Lord, humble. Humble me. Don't let me get caught up in wanting to uh, impress others. I mean, we live in a, what, selfie life now, don't we? A selfie society where it's, hey, look at me. I do it. I do it with my kids. We get caught up in all of this. We want to impress. We want people to bring their attention. We're looking for the what? Their applause. We're looking for their acceptance. 
We get caught up in all so much of this stuff when really all that matters is those are joy killers because we're looking at our circumstance. We're looking at everything around us that dictates whether or not we're going to allow joy. The scripture says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I can rejoice when I'm genuinely becoming interested in others. I can rejoice when I humble myself. I can rejoice when I'm intentionally making relationships and bringing life into those relationships. And I can rejoice when I'm going all in when it comes to God. That first point again, I can't get away from it. Just go all in. I'm going to ask you this question rhetorically. Are you all in when it comes to God? Are you all in? Are you on the fence? Are you leaning one way or the other? Or have you completely sold out? Only you can answer that question. Only you know, you and God know what your heart is. Only you and God know where you stand. If you were to stand before that judgment seat, would he look at you and welcome you into his kingdom? My prayer this morning is that I, I hope so. I want that for your life. And if you don't know who Jesus Christ is, today is a day of salvation for you. Today is a day that Jesus, he's, he's willing right now in this very moment to say, you know what? Come to me all who are what? Weary, heavy laden. And I will give you rest. There's nothing like rest. <laughs> There's nothing like peace of mind. There's nothing like the calm. The storms of life can be going on all around you, and it can be hectic, and it can be stressful. But as a Christ follower, we know who we serve, we know in whom we believe, and we know this, we're mere visitors here. Our citizenship is not here, but it is in heaven. Amen. So every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Here's how I'm going to close out today. I'm going to ask you this question. If you don't know who Jesus Christ is, he's your Lord and personal Savior. And you want to make that commitment here this morning. You would say, Pastor, today's the day. Today, I need this. I've, been, I've not been where I need to be, and I realize that, and I want to make my life commitment to Jesus. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. I see that hand. I'll give you one more moment. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. Here's what I want to do. I want all of us to pray this prayer of salvation right now out loud. Father God, thank you for giving your son Jesus Christ for my sins. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Today is the day that I commit my life to you. Today is the day that I become a brand new person. Lord Jesus, you are my King, you are my Lord, and you are my Master. And I commit my life to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise right there for that? Now, but we're not done. And I'm not going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes because this is eye contact. It's important. I want the visual right here. If you could say, Pastor, you know what? 
Maybe, maybe there was a season where I was all in and that season has kind of dwindled away and I have found myself lacking. Spiritually, I'm lacking and I want more of God. I want to go all in with this relationship. I have him in my life, but now I want to sell out completely to him. I want Jesus to be my focal point. I want him to be the center of my universe. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all across this room. Look at this. Wow. Wow. This is fantastic. This is when the power of God moves and changes when fellow believers say, you know what? When they say, you know what? It's not about the circumstances around me any longer. I want the joy of the Lord to dwell up right here. I want God to be the source of my happiness now, not my circumstances. Let's pray. Father, you see every heart and every soul. You saw every hand and you even saw the hand that wasn't lifted but wanted to be lifted. You see your people today, God, who are saying, I want to go all in. That there's been an absence or a, just a letdown or, or just a, a cold or dry season when it comes to us spiritually. So today, God, we've been stirred through your message, through your scriptures, through your words. I'm praying this prayer for my life as well as for theirs. Today, God, we decide to go all in. Today, God, we become sold out. Today, God, we buy in fully, Father. So God, every believer that's here today and is saying, Lord, I want to go all in with you. God, see that. See that heart. And Lord, do the wonders that you so want to do in us and through us. God, strengthen us through your word. Strengthen us in the power and the might of your Holy Spirit. Allow the compassion and love. Allow there to be a general interest. God, intentional relationships. Father, that we may humble ourselves so that, God, you may exalt us. Let us not look, Father, Lord, to impress or, or to look for applause. But, Lord, let us to look to serve as your son, Jesus Christ. did. So, Father, we love you. And as we leave this place, Lord, let the words of our mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. And Father, this is a time of our service where we have another opportunity to worship you through our giftings and our givings and our tithings. May we do so through the joy of the Lord. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. And the church says, amen and amen. Hey, we will see you tomorrow night. It's going to be fantastic. Love you guys.